0: That's really needed. A driver needs to feel the road. So the more we take the driver away from the driving experience, maintaining distance, keeping your, your space managed outside, the more we take the driver away from that experience, the more they're going to relax. Become lack of basic human driving and natural feelings. Non-attended
1: that it's going to accomplish How about a round of applause for Nussbaum Transportation's Clark Reed, who you heard at the top explaining a central danger when it comes to the driver assist technologies appearing in new trucks these days. In a word, that's complacency. The temptation to let the equipment take the responsibility for the work of safe operation from the hands of those to whom it truly belongs. That's the operator, of course. And Reed would go on to say much more than that in his talk at the Truckload Carriers Association's Safety and Security Division annual meeting back early last month in St. Louis. He was joined there by longtime independent owner operator Henry Albert, a former Overdrive Trucker of the Year, in a panel moderated by TCA Chairman and DM Bowman Chief Jim Ward. In today's podcast, we're going to dive deep into that discussion, enlightening in many ways for real world perspective on the space where increasingly sophisticated driver-assist technologies meet the realities of the road and the realities of many trucking companies. I ran into both Reed and Albert last week, actually, at the Walcott Truckers Jamboree, as it just so happens, where both showed the next-generation Cascadia's they pilot in efforts for the Freightliner Team Run Smart program. Both rigs are outfitted with every bell and whistle you can think of. Also at the Walcott Show, of course, I found the exact opposite in the form of a contemporary example of where the truck owner-operator comes from in America, that'd be the Super truck Show competitor W. Tim Miller, in the business of trucking and farming for 40 years, mostly these days hauling his own product more than anything else, just as the owner-operators of old. Miller farms around 300 acres of corn and beans, hauling exclusively with an early 1980s classic rig he told me about in What Follows Here. What's more, the owner-operator this year was attending his 30th, Walcott Truckers Jamboree. He missed one year of the show with an injury some years back, but otherwise he's been a part of it since its 1979 start, he said. Here's Miller.
2: Name's Tim Miller, and I've been driving a truck for about 41, 42 years. I also farm. Okay. And, well, it keeps you busy.
1: Sure. Is, is farming um, as much of a, as big of a part of what you do as trucking or, or about equal? or? Like? It's about equal. Yeah.
2: You know, hauling your own grain to market or whatever. And,
1: sure. And, and and still doing that to this day. Like, yeah. Yep. In large part.
2: Yeah. I live in Owain, Iowa, about 150 miles northwest of here. Okay. Yeah. And. This is the 30th year for me coming down here. we're to show. Okay. So, you gotta keep up the tra- tradition.
1: Yeah. Tell me about the truck. That's
2: 1982 359 conventional Peterbilt.
1: Okay.
2: 400 big cam Cummins with a 15 over transmission. Is
1: that the original engine and everything in it? Yeah. Okay.
2: I, I don't know if it's been overhauled before, but I haven't touched it. Oh, I've had it for about 15 years. I found it in a town west of my place, about oh, 30 miles. A guy okay. like had it for sale, and I picked it up. Yeah, mean? he used to uh, run it for Target Distribution Center. Okay. And just got tired of it, and so I I bought it and repainted it. And now I drive it. It's, it's got the old Corvette dash. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really changed anything in it, yeah. you know. My yeah. my daughter got them pedals, okay, well, ten years for my birthday, and okay, so I put them in there. Do you end up hauling for other people as well? I used to, but most everybody's got their own truck now. Okay, you know, up in my area. Okay, so I used to haul heavy equipment, but everybody, you know, there's people gone out of the business, and other people's bought their own right. little boy to haul their equipment and. On your, your farm, uh, what what are you growing exactly? Corn and beans. Corn and beans. Yeah, half and half. 150 of corn, 150 of beans. Uh, it was about 320 altogether, but some some you can't farm.
1: Miller does all that, mind you, with a prosthetic as part of his left arm, the result of an accident with a hay baler in the 1980s.
2: August 18th of 81, Okay, I got caught in a round hay baler and lost oh, my wow. arm, and I've been driving been working with it ever since. Right. Every two years you have to do a skills performance test. Yeah, yeah. And I've had to drive once with a federal DOT officer, but that was no problem. Yeah. yeah. I mean I've, I've done that quite a few years and you just get used to it. Yeah. I mean that's that's all you got left, you know.
1: About the truck, Miller added.
2: It's seen a lot of road with me and probably a lot more road before me.
1: Yeah. What What's the biggest, what's the longest trip that you take in it when you're
2: trucking these days? Oh, it's it's not very far. Probably oh between 60 miles okay. down to maybe two miles. There's uh-huh. an ethanol plant right west of me, about a mile and a half, and load and just go to the ethanol plant and come back home. Right. Um, Forty-two foot hopper bottom. Okay. Tim Timty hopper. Oh, that's an, an eighty, 1980 80. Timty. Wow. It's, it's old, but it's still, that's yeah. the job, right?
1: You can find pictures of Miller's 1982 359 workhorse and his previous 359 as well from none other than a 1990s print edition of Overdrive via the post that houses this podcast for July 16, 2021. Visit overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio to find it. Now, on to new truck technology with owner-operator Henry Albert and driver Clark Reed in that panel hosted by TCA Chairman Jim Ward last month. Keep in mind, they were speaking to a room full of safety professionals at trucking companies. Before we hand it off to owner-op Albert, though, to start with some of his collision mitigation systems insight, here's a brief word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner operators
0: done right as we've done for more than 80 years. We provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to 6 months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly. So you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's 1stguard.com. First Guard we speak trucker let's talk
3: and it used to get me in trouble i always taught drivers to not use collision mitigation which sounds wrong but it's right their job is to stay a step ahead i try to teach them what it's actually looking for because the first time it goes off for something that they didn't want it to it never goes off for nothing but it can go off for something you didn't want it to I teach them to see what it's sees. They're looking at the same windshield. And the key becomes to stay a step ahead of it. It's just like walking a dog. You could have the best guard dog in the world. You're walking it down the sidewalk and there's a little kid playing on the side. You know what's going to wear for that kid. You don't want it to curve it up before you get there. So the key is to to train the driver what it's looking for and not tell them that it's all figured out. You don't need to do anything. It's not all figured out. It does need their assistance. The only point it's going to see is the
1: key. It's the voice of moderator and TCA chairman, Jim Ward. You're about to hear now.
4: So Henry, what technology have you trained some individuals on that, that you think is really advantageous to us in our industry?
3: The
1: automated manual
3: transmission one, right off the bat, uh, the collision mitigation. And so much of the conversation becomes of how smart these trucks are, which is funny because when I get with the drivers of the truck stop, They want to tell me how stupid the truck is. When I get around the salespeople, they want to tell me how smart it is. That means one of the two of them is wrong, right? They're both wrong. These trucks are not at all smart, and they're not at all stupid. They're just a computer, and computers are not smart or stupid. They're operating on logic. So that's really what I train them on. What's the logic behind this system? Once they understand the logic, they can stay a step ahead of it. It makes them a better driver, and it keeps the system in the background to save their career and or someone's life.
4: Clark, similar question, is Based on the technology that you've used, I know Spallum uses a, a, a lot of the technology. What have you found if you really have engaged yourself, and maybe even training a new, new professional Porsche vehicle operators coming into the
1: industry? I know Jim Ward set it up here, but I also know that this audio isn't the greatest I've ever had for you. In case you didn't hear the idea of Clark and what Ward said there, here's Mr. Reed, Nussbaum Transportation, answering Ward's question.
0: One of the advantages of this technology is the safety aspect of it. The problem comes in when we become too reliant on it. I kind of mentioned that before. already. So I love teaching my students how this technology works, what it does, what it's seen, and then I teach them not to use it comes with a sidecar assist, or tells us there's something over there. If a if a student or a driver is using that technology correctly, when that thing goes off the beeps, they're already expecting it. It should never ever scare them. It should just go off and they know, oh, it's gonna go off. There was a truck over there. So you know one
4: of things one of the things that you hear in the industry today is the fact that You know, nobody appreciates respect space management nowadays. So as soon as I give them a little bit of space, somebody's going to move in front of me and cut me off of me. Are you experiencing the same thing, and what do you do when that occurs?
0: Well, that's always been a problem, right? But I tell my students, and this is how I drive, if you leave 20 feet, or you leave 200 feet, someone's going to grab that space. Let them grab it. Leave them space to take that. So you don't have to have a heartbreaking event. Let Let them have that space. Getting a driver to buy into that is tough because we gotta go, go, go. As we've talked before, we're paid by the mile, we're regulated by the hour, we're paid by the mile. So. That puts us in a bad situation where we gotta go, go, go to make money, but we gotta fight this clock too and we wanna be safe. So, yeah, balance it.
4: So, do you believe, from your perspective, I, was, I would ask you, Henry, I know you want on this, but do you believe that, that this collision mitigation technology has has prevented more rearing collisions? Absolutely. But what I want to go
3: into on that matter, let's go into one of the original safety technologies that came into cars and trucks. ABS. When you study ABS and crash rates of cars and trucks, when they first introduced ABS, the crash rate dropped.
0: They got all these stability control. I've got to do winter testing in the trucks and
3: all that. What these trucks can do is, and cars, is amazing with all these technological features. The problem is with human nature, we drive up to that new limit. If we still drove these trucks like we were driving a 1968 truck on bias fly tires with drum brakes and no stability
4: control, no ABS, you would never crash. Nobody in here remembers
3: that. You <laughs> <laughs> To me, the real key is, To not, and I did a blog on this once, is to not use your safety system. You know, don't drive up to that new limit. That's human nature, though, especially when you're paid by the mile. To drive up to that new limit, I always say it's good that most drivers don't know what these trucks are really capable of when you do winter tests, because what they can do is amazing. And I'm an old race car driver, so I didn't need any of these systems. And they started shutting one system off at a time and I kept it four codes. So, but to keep them as an assist, but to keep them in the background, keep the driver driving like you would have driven if you did not have any of the systems.
4: So, you know, and uh, speaking of the technology, we talk about it around that grand executive table and conversation, you know, not that anybody in this room here would do it, but if I'm not at my desk, nothing happens. If you're not at your desk, there could be some big trouble. So is this technology that we're, we're, we're placing in the KX beneficial to you in regards to, you know, getting drowsy and, and catching yourself with, with maybe some fatigue or... It, it can certainly catch that,
0: uh, the lane departure warning, and you're not in the that thing goes off. It could absolutely save you from an accident. Some of these technologies are designed to do that. Keep in the side of the lane, there is a with that though. Some of these technologies take the feel of the truck away from the driver. And that's really needed. A driver needs to feel the road. So the more we take the driver away from the driving experience, maintaining distance, keeping your, your space managed on side, the more we take the driver away from that experience, the more they're going to relax and become lackadaisical in their driving. And that's what leads to accidents, I think. Nonattendedness that's going to cause issues. Can that? I, I can agree with that because mm-hmm. I was one that I said I'm never going to get used to this
3: collision mitigation, and I found that the way I had said it, it starts trimming back for a vehicle ahead of you way back. And I'm like, but I'm never going to count on that. And I got to drive in a car that didn't have it, and I'm like, why isn't it slowing down for the vehicle ahead? Of <laughs> <laughs> Which to me was a heads up not to do that, but. You got used to it trimming up way back and it also informed
4: you of where 3.6 seconds is a lot farther away than you think it is so you know um in some conversations earlier today in, in the uh in the individuals for the first time attendees you know you, you don't sit around a table very long do you start talking about effect orders and in most cases people you'll call quote-unquote cameras and uh, you know, there's always dialogue about inward-facing, outward-facing. And I guess I would just like to get your opinion of the event recorders yourselves, and how do you see them and perceive them, and uh,
3: kind of what your thoughts are about them. Yes, I had outward-facing. I want to get another one. The current one I had was broken. It was rather primitive, but being a one-truck operator, I didn't have the sophisticated system that many of you have. I don't have a problem with the inbound, the, the inward camera. I mean, if anybody wants to watch it, they're going to be bored, but, you know, I, I understand where some drivers, they start saying about privacy, but, you know, don't have it aimed at the sleeper, you know. To me, you're working for somebody else, and you're also applying your trade on public highways. That's a privilege, and being responsible for it being reported to me, you shouldn't really think of that as a private moment. We're applying our road owner. Are applying our trade on the
4: public How many of you in the room here are, run, are running event recorders by a raise of hand? Just kind of give us a feel. So, quite a few. Clark, how about you? So, so here you are, you're, you're training individuals in Nussball, and they're getting in the camp with you, and I'm assuming you have the event recorders. Yes. As we place to talk. So, how do you help a new individual? Help me with these folks here, help understand. How do you help them understand that? Why that piece of technology is in that tractor? A couple of things.
0: What they'll see real quick is, remember that 20 foot, 200 foot space we were talking about? Someone's going to jump in there and it's going to make them have to jam onto the brakes. It's going to happen. So now I've got a perfect reason to show them that could have saved you. If you would rear end them, or something had happened, and now you've got protection. That inward-facing camera is going to show you weren't talking on your playing on your phone. You weren't fiddling around with anything, you were paying attention. And, and I say this all the time: drivers hate that technology until it saves their career. Companies love it because it's going to save them from the nuclear verdict or whatever. Drivers hate it until it's safe. Outward-facing camera, I don't know, any driver's got a problem with that. Someone looking at them while they're driving, for some reason that's an issue. So for those that have the event recorders, I guess explaining how that technology actually works instead of throwing a driver in there and going, hey, guess what? You got a camera taking a picture all the time. And understanding how that technology works is going to really calm those drivers down. Some are going to not like it, but most. Of them. Adding to that, the fact that it's not perfect. You shared a story <laughs> earlier where it
3: doesn't see everything. Share that story because to me, when you're talking to a driver. Whenever I do training, one of the things I call it is running towards the driver. i got to start out agreeing with him. Because if I start out and we build trenches that we're fighting from, we're not going to move the ball. Right. So in that case, that story,
0: that's one that would be told over a hundred times. Sure. So the inward facing camera shows the driver obviously the one shows what's going on in front of the truck. What a driver is dealing with is not just what's in front of the truck, but what's on the side of the truck and what's coming up behind the truck. So there are situations where we were stuck in a lane. We had a vehicle coming down on an on ramp. We couldn't get over. This guy jumped in front and slammed on his brakes, slowed down. So the only thing we could do was jump on our brakes too. the so only thing you can do at that point. Well, that records a heartbreaking event that triggers an event that goes through the whole system and then we get called on it. Now the chances of us remembering what happened at that point, we may not remember the details of it. We might, we probably won't. So there are some limitations of those cameras. So if you call the driver and say, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. You could have that lane over there was open, you could have Not necessarily. The driver may tell you there was something coming. I had a situation where a, a car was right on my tail, and if I had slowed down, he had come underneath me. There was no doubt that that would happen. That camera doesn't show that. It does not show the whole story. So, worrying about hard braking only, I guess it's not Not necessarily a good thing. You have to take the whole picture into account when you're dealing with driving.
3: Okay. I'd like to expand on the hard braking events. Uh, I get around a lot of the technical sales reps and everything, and they get on the engine reports and they really get into the hard braking events. And that's something I don't like to talk to drivers about at all. Because I never want them to second guess hitting that pedal. I might be ahead of them sometime they need to hit. Them.
1: And I had gotten in an
3: argument with some corporate people over this at one time. Interestingly enough, that month in Commercial Care Journal, they had a preventable or not preventable accident. The driver got called into the office for our braking events. He left the office in the truck, went down the road. He was coming up on a railroad track. The lights started flashing stop he was going to have to heartbreak he said the light just started flashing so he decided he could make it not get recorded a heartbreak event fortunately the train didn't hit him but the crossing gave hit the trailer and of course was it preventable or not preventable of course it was preventable but to me there was a mitigating circumstance in there they had him worried about he was going to have another heartbreak event Get had called in the office so what i like to do to embrace the drivers on this, I never talk about that with them. I always go to the vote Factor page in the entry reports, and I work on them from that side. Because to me, that's just the same way a race team works with their driver. If you get them smooth from the backside forward, the heartbreaking braking events disappear on their own.
4: So you're not going to get this opportunity very often. So you have 250 safety professionals sitting out here in the audience today. If there was one or two things that you'd like to see them be better at at their job, what would it be? My safety guys here? Oh, oh yeah. no. Hold let me take
0: that back. I just need to leave my room in there I guess. In a perfect world, every safety professional would have 10 years of driving experience, with all this technology, they'd be trained on it, they would know exactly how it works and what a driver's doing. That's it's not gonna happen. It'd be nice, but it, it's not, and that's okay. We've all got our skill sets, right? Understanding, though, how this technology works from a driver's side, instead of just saying, look, we've got climate, collision mitigation, get in that truck and drive it. Okay, well, the driver's gonna get their own opinion of that uh, technology, regardless of what it is. And they're going to figure it out on their own, whether it's the proper usage of that technology or not, they're going to figure it out. And then they're going to take all the bad stuff and that's how that technology works, period. They don't want to hear all the other stuff. So I, I would like to see the safety professionals and the, and the safety department's actually trained, in a perfect world this would happen, actually trained on this technology in a truck for a week, a couple days at least, so you understand what that technology is seeing and how it's reacting just like a driver does so they know how to treat it
4: that's one you want another
0: one, another
4: one. <laughs> i guess i
0: guess more than, uh, this sounds bad because i work for a great company i'm not just saying that because we are truly truly do empathy towards the driver though when they call you and say they have a problem the, the truck is doing this or the truck is doing that it's probably doing this or that now why is it or Causing it to do that, is the truck actually having a problem? We don't know that, but I have worked for companies that when you say this is going on, it's automatically the driver's fault. The driver's doing something wrong, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily always the case. Is it sometimes? Absolutely. We got some guys out there that just, they gotta go all the time. Trusting the driver, the driver wants to get home safe too. The driver doesn't wanna have an accident out there on the road, so trusting the driver Maybe thinking that maybe they don't understand the technology quite as well as they should. That's a a big deal. So, Henry, something that these
4: individuals might come back and assess how they're doing it why they're doing it. Do you have one or two things that would be
3: beneficial to them to to look at whenever they get back?
4: Would you like to say?
3: I'm going to echo on the training, but I won't cover that one. I'd say communication, finding out how to talk to a driver. So, I'll I'll give a simple example. And this is on the fuel mileage side, but it falls into safety because a lot of the safety systems engage when they're on cruise control. Here's what a driver hears. When you say to a driver, you're not using cruise control enough. What the driver just heard is, some computer can drive better than I can. They're not listening to another word you have to say after that. You got to get through them to where they want to do it. So, like with collision mitigation. I always start out with guys that are starting out new, or gals. That the first month, I always tell them, I guarantee it's going to irritate you. They're like, no, 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 I'm open minded. But if you told them, hey, this thing's all figured out, it's there to save your career and all that. First time it goes off for something they didn't want it to go off for, everything you said just went out the window. So to me, training them, getting them to understand it, but not only that, getting them to want to use it. And in my position with what I do, I've got quite a few one truck independent owner operators that got all the technology I have on it, the same as Clark does, that have willingly wanted to do it. And that's the group that's usually as opposed to this as you possibly can. And every one of them will tell you it ended up making them a better driver. They had to change some habits, but they started out knowing that it's going to irritate them. And they changed their habits accordingly. It's like a reverse psychology thing i call it running towards you. you got to find a point of agreement
0: trust me you're both going to agree it's probably going to irritate drivers can deal with a lot we just need to know what we're dealing with we're on a rush to load can we move that appointment out so safety and operations really need to work close together and i work for a company that does that very well but that's a, that's a tough thing to do because you've got to balance getting the freight delivered and and being safe and that's that all falls on the driver so the truck, if operation says like this load is tight, we're trying to move the driver. Take that, take that worry away from the
4: driver. Not enough to worry about it. So uh, we have a philosophy around the company that no load so hot won't go open in a ditch. That's that's a pretty good. one. That's pretty good. But being able to get everybody to buy into that and execute to that sometimes can be a challenge there any
3: advice from your seat? It's, it's funny easy. that saying you said I have one that I've always said to my shippers, especially when we're negotiating rates, that I've never, ever in my entire career ever been late for a delivery. Of course, they said, Well, yes, you have. But usually, if I show them on the lot, folks no, the was them was late, not me. I was there on the time. They just didn't load. <laughs> but, you know, getting that home, which is yeah. your
0: pitch, took that. It's also But just recently, And I've been driving since
3: 83, just recently, for the first time, I drove for a trucking company. I started out my career with a private carrier, which was a whole different animal. I drove for two private carriers, and then I started with my own authority, and had never driven for an actual
1: trucking Owner operator Albert did a brief stint with the company tasked with helping train its drivers on various aspects of the technology in their newer rigs. Jim Ward's interest was then piqued, and he turned toward communication among the parts of any trucking company with this.
4: My career, I've watched the uh, you know technology evolve and and go from the conversation to the communication over uh, electronic uh, you know technology, passing on your information on your load assignments and things like that. That uh, a lot of the personal side of the business has uh, been minimized, and so I, I don't know that if we were challenged because of that or if that's a that's a good thing. I mean, I know I know there's certain uh, commercial vehicle operators that you know once they get to a certain point the less communication is best for them there's <laughs> others that just need to communicate because of their profile and personality on a more regular basis so so being able to effectively manage that is is really a, somewhat of a challenge i think to the people here in the room and, and the staffs that they work with from an operating perspective so i didn't know any. So, so yeah i do have one
3: <clears throat> so and this was just recent. the other week i was driving for them now mind you i've been on with authority since 96 and it's nothing for me to have my plate Freight planned out for three weeks, everywhere I'm picking up and drunk, I'll work that far out. So I know where I'm going to stop, I know where I'm going to eat up this and that. So I'm driving for them, and I'm just a number sitting in a parking lot for eight hours. Boy, that was different. And not knowing where I'm going next. You know, when you're sitting there all day, it's like, okay, should I be sleeping? Because I made my delivery. Then at the end of the day, we deadhead 254 miles over here. That was a whole different experience, and I did a blog on it, I I really felt like I was in the dark. I mean, when you're used to being the owner and knowing all the nuts and bolts of everything, to go into the other extreme where I didn't know what I was doing next. At all. That that was a totally different experience. And so being pre planned out
4: over several days is an advantage you're seeing going, or risk perspective you know when you're used to respect.
3: weeks and you don't know what you're doing in the next hour that's way different right
4: so uh, so i asked you about the safety professionals Is there one or two things that, that they could go back and assess and look at that you'd like to see them get better at how about their departments in general was there anything coming out of the the safety department there's things associated possibly with maybe orientation or you know it, integrating and working with the maintenance facility sometimes you hear about some challenges between safety working with maintenance and, you know being able to can you equipment a return on time and get it moving and
0: those kinds of things? Anything like that that you see
4: that could be of any value to the folks setting in this room?
3: It's not directly related to safety because that's not what I was dealing with, but I'm sure the same thing would be to make sure that the cross-pollination stays within the departments.
1: So the example that I'm going to
3: use has nothing to do with safety, but you can see where this will switch around. We were in a fleet and we were talking about low-rolling resistance tires and fuel mileage safety. The guy that was in charge of tires and maintenance had done that. But he lost his bonus because his tire cost had gone up. But the fuel he had saved far outweighed what he had spent on tires. And what the bean counters told him was, but you're not in charge of fuel, you're in charge of tires. Now he puts the highest rolling resistance longest lasting tires he put on the truck because that's his department but they're throwing fuel away So, the same thing I'm sure could be said with safety. These departments need to know how this one's affecting that one, you know, everything from dispatch to safety to human resources to maintenance, the whole, there needs to be more, especially when they get larger. This one wasn't that terribly large, but the, each department knows how they're affecting the other one, cross-pollination, I would say.
4: Clark, is there anything you that you're seeing in your organization that kind of ties
3: into that? Could be some insight from the folks here today that might help
0: them. I, I think Henry hit it all pretty well. <laughs> They've all got to work together. They've all got to talk together and understand what the other department is trying to get get out there. So safety wants us to run the truck safe. We need to get with maintenance and training. Maintenance trains on the guys, even in the new trucks or whatever. They all need work together. Safety can go. This is what we're doing. This is what we want our drivers to understand. Let's do this. So it might take four or five hours to get all that training done. And now we're looking at operations going. We got a truck that's ready to roll. We can't do anything with it. We got this guy sitting there getting trained. Right. But can we afford to not do that? To get the most out of that truck, whether it's fuel economy or safety, the driver needs to know how to do it. So spending four or five hours is a good investment, I think. I'm not running the business. I'm just I'm just working for somebody. But getting that driver trained is worth the four or five hours and you pay, them. You pay them. They don't want to sit there and get trained for nothing. You pay them. But that's that's an investment that's well worth making, I would think. Don't use the word training because the driver right away
3: thinks you're there to teach them how to drive. We're we're teaching you about the technology so that you can better interact with it. But, back to your tying it with safety, I know of an example of a carrier where safety and the shop would be tied together. So, the drivers are over the road, they got everything in there, the teams, it's a lot of husband and wife teams, they got half
0: the house in. If they turn the truck in for much of any kind of a repair, they have
3: to move out and get into another truck. Well, they don't want to turn a truck in for a repair. Now. Is that a good thing? Probably not. So here's one with collision mitigation. I got in one of the ones that the freightliner team wrote smart. I had to go pick up a truck and I had to take it up in Indiana to take a trailer out of Louisville. So my first time driving a truck with collision mitigation. Nobody told me anything about that. I picked up the truck in the factory. And I'm driving Bobtail up I 77 from West Virginia. Nothing's slowing me down except for the speed limit of the 765. I'm just sitting Magnus seat, Cruise on just rolling up 77. Not a worry in the world. Well, the road curved to the left, which it's always curved to the left or right in West Virginia. You hardly go straight. There happened to be a steel hauler down to about 35 mile an hour in one of those turns. Now remember, collision mitigation is looking straight ahead. It's not smart or stupid, but it's primarily looking for vehicles that are moving slower than you. It's looking straight ahead. That steel baller became straight ahead of me. The collision mitigation doesn't know
0: the road turns.
3: All of a sudden I got up near that truck and that thing Jake and bricked. I'm like, well, this stupid thing. There's nothing ahead of me. Well, my job is to figure out how to make it work. So I would raise that out of my mind right away. And I'm like, all right, what could I have done differently? Well what I found is the truck's looking for a reaction from you. If I had to cancel the cruise, if I had to hit the brake, or likely put my foot on the throttle, the truck says, okay, Henry, you got this. Now if you do the throttle one, don't get midway and lift off business and say, Oh no, you didn't. So I, that's what I call
0: like when you're walking
3: a dog, turbing it up before you got there. So I saw it was clear the next time that happened on a turn. I gently put my foot on the throttle and says, All right, you got this. The problem. That's teaching how to stay ahead of it. If there's nobody ahead of you, there would have been no sense if the brakes or cancel the cruise. You don't have to shove your foot out to the headlight bucket. A lot of, a lot of people have figured out that when they put their foot on the throttle or the right, they want to shove their foot all the way into it, which just wastes fuel. As soon as you touch that throttle, it says you've got this. That, that's a prime example. But afterwards, I was like, all
0: right, when I'm training, this is how I'm going to train
3: with it what did it see, it saw something. But a driver would have said there was nothing ahead of It would have been correct, but there was. But not really.
0: So
4: I know you're both professionals, and I know I put you on the spot, but I've been doing it anyway, so I might as well do it again. I, life's not perfect. We're not all perfect. Things happen. So I'm assuming you've probably been involved in a, an occurrence or two. And I guess I would just ask you, is there, what would you like to share with this group as your experience from those occurrences, what did you take away from it? Rick. <laughs> 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 That's
0: what I thought <laughs> here. It's okay. Technology <laughs> or no technology. Every time I've had a close call or an incident, it's been lack of attention. Whether I've gotten lazy in my habits or I've just assumed it. We were talking about it. It's the end of the day. I'm almost on. i got to park this trailer and I'm done. Wow. To fall out of your habits, you don't get out and look. Every mistake that I've made out there and trust me, I've made plenty. Every mistake that I've made out there has been because I have not been paying attention. And the technology on the truck helps me do that a little better. That side warning there, man, that lets me know there's something over there. When I'm backing up there's something over there I need not pay attention to it. So it keeps me it keeps me at attention. And that's why I like the technology so much. It covers up or where I may fail a little bit. It doesn't drive a truck for me, it doesn't control the truck, but it helps me out and heads out. This technology has to be approached, I think. Appreciate you for sharing that, Henry. Getting into a routine and having your routine interrupted. It just happened to me last week,
3: where I, I live in Laredo, I deliver in Laredo. I come into the same shipper every week. Every time I go up to security, I go in, check in, come out. Close my trailer tail, open up my trailer doors, pull around back. I don't pivot my trailer like everybody else. I got a place I do a three-point turn, back up around, go in, get a dock, and dock. I get here this time. Trucks are backed out onto the street. I go in to check in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait until I get around back to close up the trailer tail and close, open up the doors to let another truck get off the road. This was one out on the road just trying to do something nice. I get around behind the building, there's trucks everywhere, I'm like, oh my god, jeez. I find a different place to turn around differently than where I normally turn around. Right? Now mind you, this is my end of the day, right afterwards, i the going home. I get turned around, but I can't get backed up all the way out of the way, and my truck's just slightly cocked this way, that this side's a little blocked. But I can see where I am to a row of trailers. There's a truck back here, off halfway to the side of my trailer, I can't go back any farther to get out of the way So I'm sitting there keeping inventory of everything that's around me, out of routine. Well, when I'm keeping an eye on that truck finally moves, I'm like, all right, I can back up a little bit, get out of the way, open up my doors, what I didn't see on my blind side during all this, a truck had backed up behind my trailer to the other half of Fortunately, I had his doors but I crushed my trailer tail after making it live 900-and-some thousand miles. And But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's my fault, I should have got out and looked over there. But I thought I had kept a good enough inventory of everything that was going on around me. So the yeah. both said, end of the day, on my way home.
4: Did you hear that? And routine. And routine. Yeah. Routine, end of the day, heading home.
1: Here's hoping you're on the way there, owner operators. Something's jumping in the way of getting you there. Well, hopefully there's plenty to think about from this episode. Thanks to Clark Reed and Henry Albert for their considered thoughts and to Mr. Tim Miller for his long stewardship of that beautiful, working 359, his on the farm. Find more pictures of it via the link to the post that houses this podcast for July 16, 2021 at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive radio. I'll post a direct link to it in the show notes too. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor and Muller trucking hauler Paul Marhofer, social media coordinator Holly Young, and news editor Matt Cole. Until next time, routine,
4: end of the day, head home.
1: Keep it pro out there.